This is Cody Smith, and you're listening to the Create Yourself Podcast. What is up, you guys, and welcome back to the show today. This is the Create Yourself Podcast, and we're about to jump into some amazing information today. So um, it's Saturday, I'm sitting here, my family's out of town, and I was just sitting here and doing some brainstorming. And, and what I was doing was trying to map out what like what are the greatest components of a group fitness class? Like what makes a great class? What you know, you know, coaches can listen to this and they can great get great takeaways. Gym owners can listen to this and get great takeaways. Athletes and clients can listen to this and get great takeaways. But I'm going to jump into the what I consider to be non-negotiable, um, the, the seven phases of a great fitness class or group fitness class. I'm so excited for you guys to listen today. And um, listen, before we jump into this thing, I'm trying to grow this podcast. I want to reach more people. I want to bring more impact to the most amount of people possible. And the only way that I can do that is with your help. So before we jump into this show all the way today, I want you to go ahead and log into your iTunes. Go ahead and give me a five-star rating and write me a review. Tell me things that you love about the podcast. Tell me things that you want me to go over. Um, Even maybe uh, suggest guests that you would like for me to have on. Uh, at the end of the day, podcasts live, eat, and breathe with the help of its listeners. So I'm um, going to need your favor with that or going to need to ask a favor with that. Now, the last thing I want you to do is I want you to go ahead and take a screenshot on your phone. I want you to go ahead and post it to your Instagram story and tag me. I am at the CF7C coach on Instagram. Tag me, post it there. I want to know who I'm reaching. I want to know who is getting impacted and, and educated from this information. Now, um, I'm going to go ahead and stop rambling on and plugging myself selfishly, and I'm going to go ahead and start this show, and we'll talk to you next time. All right, and we are back to the show. You guys, so I was sitting and essentially just brainstorming this morning and like really trying to think of like what are the, like the, the best components that go into making a group class? And, 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 and really essentially, like I guess I had a, a broad sweeping idea of what that looked like, but I didn't exactly like... I hadn't written it down and put it to paper and then uh, essentially created a roadmap. And, and my, my whole point is this is essentially twofold. The reason why I'm recording this show and the reason why I think you should listen is one, if you're an athlete out there or, or a fitness person and you're, you're not necessarily like you don't have the means to get or to pay for like individual design, which is always a great track. And you're, you're looking to maybe you're trying to find a CrossFit gym or a boot camp or, or some sort of. Um, gym to go attend a class at. These are aspects that I believe that are non-negotiables that should go into making a good group class. Now, I mean, obviously these these pieces are going to, some of them are going to be intermingled and I'll talk a little bit about that as we go through this show, but some of them are going to be intermingled. Some of them are going to be um, set by themselves. But no matter what, I think it's a piece of the puzzle that has to be inside of a good group class, a good quality group class. And then the other reason why I think you should listen is just because if you're already going to a gym and you want to know if how your gym stacks up in these principles and if they're doing them, you can, you can help to identify if your gym is doing these things 
or maybe if they uh, are doing pieces of them, that'll still be good too. But nonetheless, it could just be an audit into your gym or a gym that you're looking to go to. So when we look at like different phases of training, I, I believe that there's essentially like seven phases to training. And, and as I mapped this out, it was cool to see like these, uh, we do these things at our gym. My clients get these things, whether they have individual design or they come to our group fitness facility, right? We, we um, I own a CrossFit gym out here in Washington. And essentially these phases are inside of the training every single day. And, and, and whether people know it or not, they're there and they're, they're there for a specific reason. Each piece of these, each, each phase has a reason for why it's there in the first place. So uh, let's start, let's jump into this with like, um, obviously this is going to be the beginning of your training session. And then as we go through these phases, we're going to work into the end of your, fa- end of your training session. And um, so let's just jump into phase one. So phase one, I like to think of that as like, you, the 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 warm up the activation phase and, and a good way to think about this is we're trying to get release we're trying to reset and we're trying to create readiness inside of the beginning of our training session so what that looks like is we're going to be doing some sort of activation protocol so you know if we're going to be doing an overhead press that day then we need to make sure that we're activating our upper back we need to make sure that our rotator cuffs are beginning to get warmed up and they're taken through a full range of motion. So the the activation protocols are cool because you're essentially telling your muscles and your nervous systems like, hey, I need you to get on board, I need you to wake up, I need you to be ready to contract so that I can move this loading from where it starts to where it ends. So activation is huge. We're, we're doing some sort of movement, uh, some movement protocols that are gonna mimic what we do that day. So you know, if I'm gonna be running somebody through uh, a workout with a strict overhead barbell press, then I'm going to be doing some sort of like banded work. Maybe I'll do like a, a banded dislocation where you start with the, the band at your hip and as you go over your head, you're stretching and you're going to the back, to the uh, your lower back and then coming back over. We're doing movement that is going to prepare us for that movement that we're using that day. So we've got activation, we've got movement that can also be classified as like dynamic movement. From there, we'll go into some sort of mobility. So we don't want to spend, like we don't want to spend two, three minutes like you would at the end of a session to get some mobility going. Because there, now there's some studies out there that'll say like you shouldn't do a whole bunch of mobility before because you degrade the, the muscle's ability to contract and to create to create power and force. But the thing they left out about that is that when they did that like mobility testing and they were seeing like if a client could create power or if their power was degraded after that, the part they left out was like they were having these uh, people in the study like holding stretches for 10 minutes. Now, of course, if you stretch a muscle for 10 minutes, you're going to degrade its ability to contract and move. But when I'm talking about mobility and specifically in this phase one of your class, like I'm talking like holding a, a, a if we're sticking on the same example of an overhead press, I'm talking maybe doing like a banded lat stretch for maybe at the most a minute on each side. Most of the time I just have somebody hold something for like 30 or 45 seconds. And again, it's just to open up the joint and to prepare it for what we're gonna do that day. Now, another piece of this puzzle after the mobility is done 
And again, we're not doing tons of exercises, just enough things to prepare the body for class that or for the for the group training that day. From there, we can go into um, and I've done this a little bit. It's for the, the type of gym setting that I'm in. I'm in a CrossFit gym and the, the type of gym setting that I'm in. It's not huge in the space yet. And it's something that I'm trickling in slowly, but it's breathing work. Right. So if you can think about. So again, I mentioned three different R's in phase one, release, reset, readiness. So picture this, you've been at work all, or you woke up in the morning, you know, you got out of bed, you started moving throughout your day, you go to work, you're hunched over, you're rounded, uh, you, you, you're dealing with like various stressful situations. And then you get to the gym that day and you got shallow breathing, you're rounded, your body's just wound up and bound up and tight and just stressed from the entire day. Adding a little bit of breathing work in just helps your body to relax, right? You're taking your, 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 your body out of this stress state and you're putting it into a state of readiness and relaxation, which is going to help to open it, right? The more your body's open, the safer and the more efficient your body can perform in that training session. Right. So, um, it, again, and the reason I like I like these three R's so much is because it really encompasses the entire first phase of your training session. And every one of these should be even if you're doing this on your own, if you're listening to this and maybe you're like, you know, I don't know, I don't do a group class. I just kind of jump in training. That's fine. You should have some sort of really release, reset and readiness in your training anyways. I mean, we've all done it. We've all got to the gym. We've got 60 minutes to train. Like I literally did this yesterday. We get 60 minutes to train and it's like, okay, I'm going to do some, a couple bend and snaps and I'm going to a couple toe touches and I'm going to roll right into my training. The, the thing that all of us need to pay attention to is that if we don't do these things and we get into our workouts, the likelihood that we could be injured, we could strain something or we could overstress something because we're not prepared for that day. We don't have any readiness. Um, that significantly increases when we do nothing to prepare for training that day. So again, phase one is release, reset, and readiness. That's activation, that's uh, movement, both dynamic and, and, and uh, strict. And then we run through some sort of mobility. And then breathing work is always cool to do. And it's something that I'm going to do more frequently in my own training. and something that I, um, I, I'm, gonna, I'm slowly been sticking this into my own training, but I'm also going to slowly be trickling this into when I run the various group fitness classes that I do at my gym. So moving on from there, and these next couple phases can really be blended together, but uh, I, for purpose of explanation, I'm gonna roll through these one at a time. So phase two is a great spot to do any sort of power or speed work. Now, it, the reason why you do power or speed work right after your activation, your mobility stuff, before anything else, is because power and speed requires an, an extreme amount of nervous system recruitment. So you don't want to do power and speed work when your nervous system in your body is already fatigued. Because really expressing true power and speed requires that you have less muscle fatigue because like you're asking your muscles to contract and be and to create as much force as possible and do it really really quickly if there's if there's fatigue accumulated already from training then you're not really expressing it which means you're actually not tapping into the energy systems that you need to to perform the power and speed correctly so that could be something like um you know i i let's take for instance let's let's keep using the um strict barbell press that we started with with phase one 
So if I'm going to create a power and speed element around something like um, a strict barbell press, uh, I love to do like an antagonist of that. So it could be something as simple as, okay, we've got strict barbell press today. We're doing a, a strength movement that is a vertical push. I might do something that is um, going to be an antagonist of that, like a med ball slam. So I, I love to do this in, in, in my small group personal training that I run to where if it's an overhead pressing day, I'll have them do a few sets of slam balls, like five to six reps, where they're slamming that ball straight down as fast as they can, which is a direct opposite or reverse motion of that strict barbell press. So when you do that first, you get to really develop true power and speed because you're slamming that ball. You're, you're moving something that is light to moderate as far as loading is concerned, and you're creating an extreme amount of force to slam that ball to the ground. I'll literally tell my clients, like, look, I want you to try to break that slam ball in half. I want you to try to break it in half and let all the sand pull it out. If you break that slam ball, I'm not actually going to be mad. I'm going to give you the, the hardest high five ever because I'm going to be pumped that you created so much power and speed that you broke that slam ball in half. So phase two is where we do power and speed. And you always want it to be something that is going to help or, or, or maybe, um, what's the word I'm looking for? To help supplement or to enhance the, the rest of your training session that day. So phase two, power and speed. Now we move on from there into phase three. And, and, and here's something that has to be considered. And, and I, man, I, I have gone over this probably a hundred times. How important strength training is. Phase three is where we train our strength. Now, the more strong a person is, the harder they are to kill, essentially, right? And I forget who came up with that, um, essentially that quote. I'll have to look that up and maybe post it in the show notes. But strength training is universal. Everybody should do it. Whether you're trying to lose body fat or just be healthy or have longevity, it is a non-negotiable that you should do some form of strength training, no matter what. My regular group classes do it. My small group personal training uh, clients do it. My semi-private clients do it. All of my individual design programming clients do it. And it doesn't matter. It's universal. If you're trying to lose body fat, why wouldn't you want to build more strength and muscle? More strength and muscle directly correlates with more calorie burn in a fat loss situation. More strength training or more strength and muscle directly correlates with um, long-term muscle joint and uh, bone health. Strength training and, and muscle building directly correlates with longevity. So if, 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 I, if I haven't hammered home the point yet, strength training is a non-negotiable. You activate your body, you get it ready for training, you go express power and speed, and then you roll right into your strength training for the day. And that can look like anything. And when, I, when, I, when I'm classifying it here in these phases... I look at strength training as, and, and I've talked about this extensively too, I look at strength training as things that are metric-based, right? So that could be something like a hinging pattern off the floor, like a Romanian deadlift, a deadlift, a trap bar deadlift, a sumo deadlift, a, um, uh, drawing a blank right now, but, uh, so we could talk barbell presses, um, bench press, uh, landmine press, things that are going to develop an extreme amount of strength and involve 
multi-joints, um, several different muscle groups, the, the most bang for our buck. Developing true strength across several different muscle groups is a great place to stay when you're looking at phase three of training. And, and for my group class, that my main group class in my gym that meets, you know, five to six times a week, some of them come like three or four. <clears throat> some of them come like three or four. But for the most part, I think we do four out of the six days. There's some sort of strength training involved in that because I find that no matter who's in that, no matter who's in that class, from you know my youngest person who's like 18 years old all the way up to my clients that are in their 70s doing strength training like think about a 70 year old like or, or who gets up in age if they keep if they keep doing some form of strength training and I'm not talking about like at the highest level but if they're doing some form of strength training and they they fall down right like they can catch themselves i would even argue that maybe they don't even fall down because they're so strong they they have maintained their strength through years and years and years of being alive and their body is just better for it. Um, Like if they have to have any sort of surgery, a lot of them through doing strength training and things like that, they're able to like handle the anesthesia or they're able to bounce back after their operation or something like that. So if if you swing it completely to to the one side of the spectrum in age, you can see why strength training is so important. So phase one, just reviewing here, keeping myself on task here. Release, reset, readiness. That's getting ready for the training session. Think of that as your warm-up. Everybody should do it. Everybody should spend time getting their body ready for training that day. Phase two is going to be power and speed development. Phase three is your strength training. Now, moving on to phase four, aka part four. This is where we start filtering in a little bit of the accessory, the supplemental exercises, isolation exercises, and and, and here's what, like I, I mentioned before, phase two, three, and four, they can all be blended together um, and, and, and intermingled inside of one block of that group training. And, and we do that a lot. Sometimes, I, for instance, if we take like, if we look at like an individual design client or something like that, I'll have them do three or four sets of uh, power and speed development. And then I'll have them roll right into their strength training and then they'll go right into, and this is just one block of their training that day, then they'll go right into their accessory work. And for the most part, sometimes I'll put their strength training like a metric-based movement, and I'll do like a superset with an accessory movement, which is always cool because you, I mean, if we take into consideration, like what if I were to um, put together like, uh, you know, a heavy deadlift with an air squat, it's a good contrast and it's a good way to develop the lower body and get more done in an efficient manner. Because a lot of times we only got 60 minutes in the constraints of a group class. And that's that's ideal for most people because not everybody's gonna come into the gym and train for 90 minutes to two hours. But um, getting more done in an efficient, ma- in efficient safe manner is always a good call. Um, so again, after the strength or mixing those things together can be a cool way to, to blend things together. But in a perfect scenario, we can always do them. It's good to do them by themselves. So the accessory supplemental work here in phase four needs to complement the strength work that day. So if you're doing, let's take into consideration, well, let's stay on task with the strict barbell press. I've been using that same example throughout the show so far. So the strict barbell press. Okay, you're pressing a heavy barbell overhead. Obviously, you have the prerequisite mobility and flexibility to be able to do that safely and efficiently. 
But what is a good complement of that? Well, doing you're doing a vertical push. I love to put a vertical push and a vertical pull together. So if I'm going to press overhead, why wouldn't I do things like an assist, like a pull up, like a strict pull up, and 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 in the functional fitness CrossFit style setting, I'm not talking kipping. I'm talking strict. So if I'm going to be pressing overhead, it's always a good idea to also develop my lats. And what that does is that just helps a person to create good symmetry and good movement patterning because they're not just overusing one pattern. They're doing the opposite of that. I talked about the antagonist uh, training or style training earlier. Doing an antagonist style movement um, to complement your strength training that day is always good to go. Or maybe, you know, maybe you've got... You know, in, obviously in doing a, a barbell press, you're using two arms. Maybe you've got some imbalance from one you know, side to the other. Well, a good complement to that could be like a single arm, um, horizontal row or, or horizontal pull, or you can work on a single arm dumbbell press. The, the goal with the phase four is essentially just to accentuate your strength training that day or to work on weak points after you've done the compound metric based lift that is meant to build strength because again you are a little bit fatigued but you can do you can do a isolation or an accessory bodybuilding style movement after a compound movement relatively safe because typically it's just not going to be as heavy okay so uh moving on from there we got we got through our first four phases phase five it's going to be like your core training or core finishers. And and you can think of like phase five as like one of those asterisk categories because you want to put your core training at the end, obviously, because when you're doing the compound movements, the speed training, the accessory, all these different things, you don't want to have a fatigued core first because the fatigued core, obviously, like your core is your trunk, right? It holds everything up. It keeps everything in line. If that's fatigued, like imagine if you did like four sets of a 60 second plank with a minute break in between and then you try to do a heavy deadlift or a heavy set of back squats or even a heavy overhead barbell press, the likelihood of you getting injured is very, very high. And then on top of that, like you're not gonna be able to brace and be stable to move a significant amount of load to build up a, a, a reason for your body to develop more muscle tissue. So keeping that, taking that into consideration, you can see why core training or like finishers for your core are at the backside of this workout because again it, it comes down to safety and then um i actually find that core training is pretty fun to do after i've finished all of the other parts of my workout so moving from phase five we go down into phase six so phase six is where we do our conditioning our energy system training or just our, our full body finishers for for you know, for the CrossFitters, we're talking metabolic conditioning. We're doing things that are training our body and creating a, a, a good state of conditioning for ourselves. So the, this is always safe to do because you can do this after strength training. Because relatively speaking, if you're doing like a Metcon or you're doing some sort of, you know, body weight style finishers, rowing, biking, anything like that, you can do it relatively safely and efficient and get a lot out of it after you've done strength training. Yeah, muscles are a little, or after you've done all the other phases. Yeah, muscles are probably fatigued and, and you, know, you could be a little bit tired already, but who doesn't wanna get a good sweat in and get their heart rate up a little bit before they leave that day, right? And this is, this is standard protocol in all of my training programs and everything my clients get. Doing this style 
doing your energy system training at the back half of your workout. It's just a, a great way to feel good and, and leave the gym feeling accomplished that day. And, and, and when I say energy system training and conditioning, I'm not talking about just beating the snot out of yourself and being really, really tired. I'm talking, did you train energy systems that day? Did you work on your anaerobic system? Did you work on your aerobic system? Did you do them correctly? Did you create sustainability inside of those, right? We're not just trying to get really, really tired. We're trying to create a system of, con- a, a, a style of conditioning that we can sustain and, and not be rolling around on the floor after we're done, but just walk out feeling a little bit tired. Now, after our energy system training, here's where most people typically leave the gym or um, you know the, the, the coaches allow you to just leave the gym and get out of here. And something this is a, full, full transparency. I'm guilty of this as a coach and I'm guilty of this in my own training too. But the last phase and one that people really, really, really need to really need to consider um, of importance, is uh, again some more R's here, right? I love these. I love how these are put: recovery, regeneration, and restoration. So this is where more breathing work is important. This is where more mobility and cooling down is important. Because again, like it, it, let, let, let's talk about our recipe for disaster. You come to the gym, you have a crappy warm up, you're bound up and stressed. You have shallow breathing from work all day and, and hanging with kids or, or, or whatever things that could cause you stress. And then you go through training without a proper warm up. You do power and speed work after strength training. You do some supplemental exercises. And then you do your hard energy system training. And then you go get in the car and you leave that day. You're still bound up. Now you've just contracted. Uh, contracted and stretched your muscles continuously. You get in the car, you, you sit in the sit in the steel rounded bucket essentially, and then you get home and you're right back in stress that day. You did nothing to bring your body down and to start to decrease the effects of cortisol, right? Cortisol is that stress hormone that, that actually spikes up during training. So things that can help to bring that cortisol down and bring your melatonin levels up, which are important, especially if you are training in the afternoons, is to do some sort of things that bring down your nervous system, like um, your nervous system is excitement. So how do you do that? Well, you try to get your muscles to relax through things like foam rolling, or you try to get your heart rate to come down through things like riding an assault bike for a period of time, or you take a nice walk outside. And I know in Washington, we don't get tons of sun, but if you live in a sunny location, get out in the vitamin D, enjoy the enjoy the air, maybe go walking with a training partner, maybe go um, just get some sunlight and some vitamin D and do it without like taking your phone or listening to music. Go out, walk, experience your environment and bring your body down from this excited state. And, and this is something, you know, sometimes I do this in my group classes. Um, I guess I'm not super guilty at it of, of, of not doing this all the time. But sometimes I'll just, I'll tell my group class, like, after they're finished their conditioning, like, don't lay down. Don't just start breaking down your, your equipment that day and, and head out the door. Let's go walk, right? Let's go walk. And what happens and what's always so amazing about this is that there's people talking. There's community building. We're walking out and, and like you go in, you're, you're inside of a gym, the music's bumping, there's like weights clanging around you, everything's good. And then you walk out of the door and it's just nice and it's serene, it's quiet. Maybe you hear the highway and the traffic off in the distance. You hear the birds chirping. Maybe you hear kids playing off in the distance. Like it's just a nice, like, 
so like for lack of better terms like it's like it's just a nice like hippie thing man like you're just out you're enjoying your environment but what's happening when you're doing all that is you're bringing your stress levels down you're calming your nervous system down so then when you leave your gym and you're doing it in the mornings you're either ready to attack your work your work day or if it's in the evenings you're ready to go home have dinner spend time with your family or, or your significant other and then go to bed right like that sounds like a great recipe versus the the other side that i gave um the, the other perspective that I gave you um, of doing it the wrong way, essentially. So that phase seven is something that we all need to pay attention to. It's something that you should look for. And it's something that if you're at a gym and they don't do it for you, you should do it on your own, right? And what, what cool thing may happen if you start doing it by yourself is that somebody may join you. Somebody may go on a walk with you. Somebody may go and lay on a foam roller with you. You may make a new friend. You may learn something new about somebody that you didn't know already. Right? Like connection is, is a part of human. Just uh, connection is something that all humans seek. And I actually think that, you know, you always hear like in nursing homes or something like that, that when, you know, there's a husband and wife in there and one of them passes away. The other one goes and passes away shortly after too. Like, I don't know the exact statistics on that. I'd, I'd love to, if you know the statistics, let me know. But I'd love to know the statistics on that because when your significant other passes away and the other one goes shortly after, I believe that that comes down to connection, right? You're going through life with somebody or with something, right? So um, you can see how important it is to spend time in this last phase and just all the simple benefits that come along with that. All right. So um, again, like this, this, this entire show came to me, I was sitting, and I was just like, man, like, um, what makes a good group class? How can I enhance our group class inside of my gym for my clients? And I was just sitting there and I was just writing out and mapping these things out. And, and, and I mean, luckily, like we do a lot of these things already. Um, but I wondered, like, do, do, like, maybe there's somebody out there that's looking to join a group class. Or to, to go join somewhere. And, and unfortunately, sometimes out there, there's, there's things that are better than others. But when you go to a gym and you're looking, or when you're, maybe when you're looking for a training program, all of these pieces of the puzzle need to be in there. Or you need to turn around and run out the other way. Because they're, they're either a rookie coach, a rookie owner, or they don't care enough about you. Which is, I mean, if you're going to give your hard-earned money to somebody to help you to get like you're if you're going to go pay for a result or pay for the education or the the ability to get a specific result you want to make sure that your money is going to a good place so that's all i've got for you guys today let's go ahead and review here before we get off um good components of a group class right you're looking for phase one redeem reset readiness that's get ready get warm activate move um Get the body uh, relaxed and ready to roll for the training. Phase two is power and speed development. Do something that, that makes you express power and speed, right? Your nervous system is not fatigued yet from training. Let's go ahead and, and express some true power and let's get ready. Phase three is going to be strength training. That's going to be your metric-based lifts, compound movements, things that are going to help you to develop a lot of strength in a, in a, in a lot of different muscle groups. Phase four is going to be accessory, supplemental exercises, and isolation movements. Phase five is going to be core training, core finishers. Get that core, those abs popping before you leave that day. Phase six is energy systems training, conditioning, or Metcons. 
And phase seven is recovery, regeneration, restoration, right? That's your mobility, your, your cool downs after your workout. So I hope you guys enjoyed all that information. It's, it's always my, my, my goal to, to just bring quality stuff and to make sure that you, you can listen to this podcast and you can just get some great information. And, and you know, some podcasts are all about like telling jokes and, and, and going through and just making people laugh. But, uh, you know, for me, like when I listen to podcasts, I do it because I want to gain information. I want to get smarter. I want to get education. Um, I want to come out of the other side of a show uh, more enlightened than when I went in. So that's cool. That's my goal with, my sh- with this show today. I hope you guys got something out of it, and I'll talk to you next time. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the show today. I hope you got some value and some tools to take away to create yourself and create a life and engineer it to what you can be proud of. Now, do me a favor. Podcasts live, breathe, and die off of ratings and reviews on iTunes. So do me a favor before you go. Head on over to iTunes. Give me a five-star rating and review. Tell us something that you love about the podcast. Talk about guests that you want to have on. In general, we just want to get some feedback and know how this podcast is going and if it's helping people. Now, thank you, and we look forward to talking to you next time.